Happy Father's Day. Yeah, I think we should give a little bigger clap than that. It's Father's Day. What I'd like to do first, Linda, is I would like to end up having the Lord's Prayer up there. And I would like to have you lead us in the Lord's Prayer first. Then I want to talk a little bit, and then I want you to stay. I got some. So if you would lead this congregation in the Lord's Prayer, it's right behind you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be, be your, name. your name. Your, your kingdom, kingdom come. come. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When I think of Father's Day, I think that the most important Father that we recognize first is our Heavenly Father. His is the kingdom, the glory, the power forever. Amen. Let's just read that bottom part again together, making this as a declaration and as a thank you, Lord. Ready? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Everybody knows who this is. I think everybody knows who this is, yeah? This is Pastor Rutzen, where we sit in this church, which was his vision years and years and years ago. God gave him the vision for this. And through his diligence, through his hard work, through his faith, his trust, and from him, through him being a good, good son we get to experience what we're sitting in right now. I think about my father who, who no longer is with us, but you know, we have a, an earthly, a biological father, and then we have some spiritual fathers that are placed in our lives. And this man to me has been very much not only a spiritual father. He's been my pastor for 31 years now. 31 years in April. 31 years. It's like I have loved him. I have respected him. And this morning, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to honor him and for us to honor him. We so love him, so appreciate what he's done, who he is, and that he has continued to persevere. It's one thing for God to give us an, a, a vision, an amazing and a huge vision that's hard to even, to even conceptualize the, the, the vision, but not only did he conceptualize it, he built a little, uh, he built a model of it and he saw it finished. 
It's like, wow, that, that, that's pretty amazing. And I, I'm so grateful for the example that he has been, that he has lived out being an incredible, obedient son of the Most High, and in so doing has become an incredible father to many, many, many. I would like everybody just to stand together. Extend your hands to my father-in-law and one of my spiritual fathers, the one that I've been most closely connected to for 31 years. And let's just pray together. Let's just pray blessing over him, over him. He's been the father of this house for 31 years. Father, I thank you. I, I thank you for this stalwart man of God that you have given us, this incredible example that you've given us, Lord, of obedience, of perseverance, and of incredible love, that your love has continuously just flowed through Pastor Rutzen that has affected so many, 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 many. And I thank you, Lord, that <laughs> he's not finished yet that he's not finished yet, that you just continue to use him to love on people, to mentor people, to father the fatherless. I give you thanks, I give you praise, and I bless him. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. And now, I would like you to just... Speak a blessing, pray a prayer, or whatever the Lord's put on your heart for this morning, for this congregation, for this day. This is always a very special day to honor fathers because the first relationship of God with man was on terms and the basis of a father. He is the creator and the giver of life to all, our heavenly father. But we as fathers have the chance to exemplify his virtues and his characteristics, lead our families, raise our children to love the Lord, serve God with all of our heart. I'm glad for every father that's here today. We're also glad to have some of our family friends from Arizona and uh, other family members here today. We're so glad to have them with us. I trust that this day will be a day of blessing and the goodness of the Lord upon your life as a father. I'd just like to pray for you right now, if you would. If you would just open your hands to Jesus as your father, and I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every father here today. I pray, Lord, in the midst of a changing, challenging world, that you will grant these fathers wisdom, understanding, perseverance, faithfulness, godliness, truthfulness. I pray that you'll grant them wisdom, Lord, beyond their own mind and thoughts and understanding. Give them grace, O oh God, in these trying times. May they be, O oh God, the example to their families of your fatherhood towards us. Bless them, Lord, with your rich blessing. Make your face shine upon them, Lord. Be gracious to them. And give them your wisdom, guidance, grace, and blessing through this coming year. Bless our pastor, Lord, as he brings the word of God today. 
Anoint him, Lord, with your spirit. May it be food to our souls and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. It's wonderful to have mentors, teachers, pastors, examples like Pastor Rutson. Yeah. As I was thinking and preparing for this morning, for for this, for this message, I was thinking, what? You know, really, in order to be, as I was talking about Pastor Rutz in there, in order to be a good father, we have to be good sons. We have got to be good, obedient sons to be good, faithful fathers. We have to be good, obedient sons and daughters to be raising our children. I, I, you know, when, man, it just drives me crazy when it's not lined up exactly with that plug-in right there. I feel so much better now. <laughs> much, much better now. As I was thinking what it takes to be being a good son or daughter, I was thinking what. Jesus was the ultimate example that we had. God's Son came to earth to be our example of a good son. Everybody say, good son. Good son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that's what I want to do. I just want to step up and hear those words. This is my son, Lynn, in whom I am well pleased. You know, I was thinking that there's a couple things that have really challenged me here in the last probably month, month and a half. In the same week, I had two different people uh, talk to me and ask me. One, I was just sitting right over there. We were at a worship practice, and my friend Robin was, was here, and he was saying, Pastor Lynn, I love being, being here at this church. I love being here. And he said, he said to me, how did you create this atmosphere that we get to experience when we come into this church and be able to feel the love and the presence of God? And it's like, we just need to be led by the Spirit. Simple answer, we just need to be led by the Spirit. But it's just a little bit too simple of answer. He didn't just accept that. He said, yeah, okay, I understand that, but how? How did you do it? It's like, surely you kept a journal about some of the things and some of the experiences and some of the things that happened. You journaled, right? It's like, no, I, I, I didn't. He said, well, what can you share? What could... I said, man, I thought I told you. It's just like, it's to be led by the Spirit, to be putting yourself in such a position that you're hearing and, and, and being led. He said, well, give me some examples of that. It's like, oh, my word. This test is getting harder and harder here. It's like, um, okay. 
So then, just a few days later, I had, a, I had a meeting with another young friend who said to me, well, Pastor Len, we were having lunch together, and he said, I would like to know if you could share with me what it takes to end up experiencing, having, and being effective to have longevity in in pastoral, uh, you know, in, in spiritual, to have spiritual longevity, to be productive, to be fruitful in a church for several years. It's like, how do you stay fruitful in ministry? There's the word that I'm looking for. How do you maintain longevity of fruitfulness in ministry? It's like, man, that's another really good question. I said, we need to be led by the Spirit. We just need to be led by the Spirit. He said, well, what are some of the key points? What are some, some of, of the main things? What, what, what do you have? What do you teach on that? It's like, well, be led by the Spirit. So. But then I began to, it's like, oh, okay, Lord, some, I, I need to work on this some. Uh, what did, what, what has happened, you know, in my life? And, and what are some of the things that, what are some of my core beliefs? What are some of the things that I meditate on and think about that, that cause me to be proactive in, and I, I've shared visions and dreams and stuff with, with you guys several times that, that the Lord has shown me, a dream that He's given me, a vision that I had, and, and then been obedient to act on that. Use the discernment to know what's from God and then just be obedient to act on what He's given you. It's like, but you don't have any of that written down? Well, no. <laughs> Not yet, but I guess I need to. One of the things that I just want to share here, here just a little bit, the first thing that I, that, that, I, that I wrote down, and I think is just really important to all of us to end up becoming good sons and daughters of the Most High, and that is to live in and with an attitude of worship. Looking for things as we go through everyday life to just be thankful for. If I'm looking for something to be thankful for, then I have a really good reason to worship Him, to praise Him, and say, you know, thank you, Lord, for man, thank you for my health. Thank you that I still have two good knees. Thank you that I can get up and walk around. Thank you that I can even jog a little bit if I want to. Thank you that I can still ride a dirt bike. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, Oh, I don't have to struggle for breath. I don't, I'm not on a breather. I'm not on oxygen. Thank you, Lord, for all of these things. Thank you that I can count on a sunrise every morning. Thank you that your mercies are new every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for every blessing in my life. And sometimes I even start to think about, well, what are all of those blessings? That's pretty generic. It's like, oh, man. You've blessed me with health. You've blessed me with an amazing wife. You've blessed me with children. You've blessed me beyond measure. I just, I could start to write down, I could list blessings, and I could fill a page up so fast if I begin to think about that. And then when I live that way, man, it, it's just easy because I'm then living with an attitude of gratitude. I'm just thankful for all that he's done. And that gives me plenty of things to, you know, it's like prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. So when I enter into my prayer closet, and when it's time to be praying, I, first, first the thing that I do is start thanking Him for everything. 
Then if there's something else that I need, if there's a need that's come, or if I'm praying for somebody else, I still start thanking Him first for all of the things, for the answers to prayers that He's given me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. We used to have, Suzanne Forbes is here, and, and she was part of a small group that we did for Wow, several years we did that together, and our small group ended up with like as much as 55 people in it at one time, but every time we had, and, and Dale and Diane there, and you guys would remember this well, every time we would have a prayer request, Suzanne would write it down, and then when we got back together the next month, we would have praise reports, and she would write down those praise reports, and we didn't even realize she was doing that. After a few years, she, she came together and said, man, there's been, look at all of the prayers that God has answered. You know, it's pretty amazing to realize, you know, sometimes we pray and pray and, and you know, God answered this and, God, and we can forget. But when you list those down, you definitely have something to be grateful for. You can go back and look at it and say, oh, God, you are so faithful. You took care of this and this and this and this. Living with an attitude of gratitude to be good sons and daughters, we live with an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. I would like, uh, Linda, let's go to the first scripture that I want to use is Matthew 7, uh, 8 through 11. And I'm counting on it showing up right there so I don't have to, uh-oh, I don't have to go backwards. Probably be easier to look it up then. Matthew 7, verses 8 through 11. Oh, that was fast, Lynn. Good job. We'll start with verse 7. Written in red, Jesus talking, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find, to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you if his son, we're talking about fathers, but we're also talking about mothers, what man or woman is there among you who if his son or her son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Especially if you come before Him with an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. Not, not entitlement, but gratitude and thankfulness. Are you with me? Starting to make sense yet? Uh, three people, yes. We're up around ten now. All right. I want to talk about when God starts working in your life. I'm just uh, talk a little about my own journey here. I think back about, I had a biological father, of course. I was raised in an amazing home. Uh, two parents that were married for, I mean, longer than I was alive. <laughs> yeah, they were married for 50, maybe 60 years. How long were you guys married, Ma? Are you not listening? <laughs> Over 60 years. Over 60 years. So I had, 
I was a two-parent family. I was very fortunate. My parents stayed together. My, they were amazing parents. And I, and I think about my father. My father, a good, good father here on earth. He taught me good work ethic. He taught me many, many things. He taught me excellent morals, like the value and importance of truth, of honesty, of integrity, uh, and, and how to work and, and, and to produce you know, to produce. If you're working for somebody, you better give them an honest day's work for an honest day's pay and just all kinds of, of good, solid, moral values. And me personally, that's something that honesty stuck so strong with me that when, that's, that's one of the things that I, that I still have a little bit of an issue with. And if that someone isn't just completely honest with me, it's like, oh, oh. My dad said lying is like the worst thing you can do from his perspective, and I still believe that. Lying is just bad, bad, bad. It's, it's like when I'm doing marriage counseling or, or some uh, uh, premarital counseling, marriage counseling, or something. It, when your spouse is not completely 100% honest with you, it reminds me of going to the beach. And when you go to the beach and you stand on the sand and the waves are coming in and you feel the sand come between your toes and all of a sudden... The sand starts disappearing, and you feel like it's like, man, there's no solid, there's nothing solid here. It just it just keeps moving and shifting around. When a marriage, I'm just talking about hitting marriage here right now, men, women, both of you. When marriage is not based on truth and honesty, it is as if you're standing on the shifting sand and have no no foundation. Because it needs to be based on truth, on honesty, and on integrity, right? As does our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We need to be completely honest with Him. That's one of the things and the values that my dad so firmly established in me. But in learning these things that my father taught me, incredible moral values, work values... There wasn't really very much Jesus or God values in that. Uh, we did not go to church a lot. Funny, the one memory that I do have of the, of the times that we went to church, and my mother says, you, we did go more than that, Lynn. I get in trouble first, and she's here. So, uh, one, of the memory, one of the funny funny memories that I have is being out at like the Bible Missionary Church out of Eustick or out by the old theater out there, and it was time for prayer, and everybody's getting down on their knees to pray, and I had done the same thing, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and it was, it was my dad going, come on, okay. So we went outside, and I remember looking at an irrigation ditch because he needed to go out for a smoke break. <laughs> my memory of church with my dad. So... But I have many, many, many incredible memories. And my dad <clears throat> was baptized in this church. I think he was somewhere near 70 years old, but he was baptized right here in this church by Pastor Rutson. At the same time that my younger son was baptized. So, praise the Lord. We have a lot of history here together. <clears throat> but <clears throat> my dad is... <clears throat> in my life was much like how God was preparing me, some of the things, realizing what my father saw in me. 
I've told the story one time before in here, at least one time before, <clears throat> about going off to college. Got just like a wild hair and decided to set all of the things, all of the things that my mom and dad had instilled in me and had trusted me for and believed in me. And I took off and did things that they had no idea, no idea. They, they had so much trust, faith, and put so much value in me and what I was going to college for, they had no idea what I was doing. But I, I was at the University of Idaho. What else do you do at the University of Idaho? Party, unfortunately. And I'm not going into the past. I'm going to go into a, a lot of the detail there. But I did things while I was off of college that were so, so, so contrary to who I was, to what I was taught, the kind of foundation that was built for me, and the trust that was put in me. You see, my dad was going to invest. It was going to be a 50-50 deal. I paid half the money, whatever I paid for my education, my dad was going to match. So I completely blew it. I went to college and just messed up. I shared a little bit here before about becoming an entrepreneur at college, but it wasn't from uh, business management or getting a degree in business. So um, came back and... and but God was beginning to deal with me, telling me, this is not how you were raised. This is not who you are. This is not. This is not. You know, this is not what you're supposed to be. And my dad and my mom had so much faith and trust in me that they had no idea of the things that I actually was doing. It was completely contrary to who, how I was raised and who I was called to be. Everybody say contrary. Yeah, contrary. So... I came back, I lived in an apartment, and that, that apartment was rented for the first couple of months or so with, with uh, drug money, <laughs> money that I had acquired, profits. <laughs> and, but the Lord was dealing with me, as I said, and it's like, you know, this is not who you are, this is not what you're called to be, and I had a real job. I had a job, and I, I was working, and I was new knew, knew, knew that I was supposed to be cleaning up my life. Here's the deal. I was trying to clean up my life. I was trying to clean up my life. I was convicted. I was ready to clean up my life, starting to make these big changes in my life. But I was still in the same situation, in the same scenario, with the same people around me. And even though I was making really good progress on my own, I had some buddies from the University of Idaho that it was spring break that called me and they wanted to come and see where I lived and what I did. And it's like, oh, well, come on down. Of course, since they were coming, it was going to be like last party, last time. Never doing this again. This is the last time. But it was a really big party. It was in my apartment. And much to my absolute, complete surprise and much to my benefit, there was a knock on the door, right in the middle of party time, probably nine, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the evening. I don't, me expecting it to be somebody else to show, showing up that's going to be part of the party. It's continuing to grow. Knock, knock, knock. I open the door. The house is filled with smoke, and it wasn't cigarette smoke. I hate the smell of cigarette smoke. Did then, still do. Filled with smoke, and there are beer bottles, and there are people all over the place. And it's my mom and dad standing on the step of my apartment. I'm just like, ah. the only words that came out of my mouth is, 
you don't understand. It's like, you don't understand. And my dad had, uh, he had taught me a great deal. He also had quite a temper. And when he decided that he was going to straighten things out, it could be done very quickly, <laughs> decently, but not necessarily in good order. <laughs> and I, I was just standing there with my mouth, I said, you don't understand. And my dad said, you're right. I don't. But son, you need to come home. It's like, yep, I do. They turned and they walked away. And I saw the incredible disappointment on their faces, in their eyes, because this is the son that they had trusted. This is the son that they thought was the golden boy, the good kid. So I was living one life under their roof and in their presence, but out doing something very different when they weren't watching me, when they weren't around. <clears throat> But here's the real beauty in all of that. I did very, very, very shortly thereafter move out, move back in with my parents, with my mom and dad. And it's not something that we even had to talk about anymore. It's like, we're going to have to talk about this. We're going to have to straighten this out. There's going to be rules in this house. Like, no, I already know. I'm coming back home. I'm going to submit myself to my father, my mother, and to his will for my life. Because I know how much my dad loves me, and I realized that that very evening, because he didn't just go off, and he didn't let me have it, and he didn't say, I am done with you. I am so disappointed, I can't believe it. He just showed the pain in his face, turned and walked away after saying, Son, you need to come home. And see, we have a heavenly Father that is exactly that same way. But I got to see in my earthly Father how much my heavenly Father loves me even more by my earthly Father just saying, Son, you need to come home. Not a, a, a rant of rage and, Are you stupid? I, can't, I raised you so much better than that. It's like, no. It's like, Son, you need to come home. You see, that's exactly how our Father in Heaven sees us and wants for us. It's not like, I'm so disappointed in you, you are so stupid, you have done everything. You see, while we were still sinners, He sent His Son that we could be completely set free, that we could be delivered, that we could receive the gift of salvation, the mercy and grace that He has for us because He loves us. Like my dad loved me. He loves us. And he wants the best for us. My dad watched me and I, I, I had worked at Simplots. I worked at Skelly's one hour martinizing. I had every job for about a month or so. And it's like, yeah, I don't like this. Yeah, I don't like this. No. He ended up coming to me. One day, I, 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 in fact, I think he might have come out into the field. I ended up working out in the field detasseling corn and and my dad says, son, 
Yeah. So I want to start a business and partner with you. It's like, okay, talk some more. So we started a heating and air conditioning business, him with all the skills, him with all the money, me with several short jobs that I'd had and not stayed with any one of them, been fired for at least two, <laughs> been fired from three of them, I think. <clears throat> but my dad says, there is so much value in you, son. I see the value. I see what you can do. I know your potential. I want to go into business with you. It's like, wow, wow. Okay, Dad. Okay. So we ended up starting H&H <clears throat> &H Heating, which I ended up having, being a part of, partnered with my father for, for several years from... 1971 to 1984, and then I ended up buying it from my dad. But see, that's what God's calling us to, is to partner with him. He sees the value in each one of us. He, he doesn't look at like, oh, you, you could never do this. You haven't held a job for six months yet. How in the world, why would I want, why would I call you, what do I see in you? It's like... No, <clears throat> my father called out the gold. He said, I see the potential in you, son. I want to partner with you. And we have a heavenly father looking at each and every one of us saying, I see the potential in you. I put it there. I want you to partner with me. He's calling us all up, up, up. My dad called me up out of the field. <laughs> I washed dishes at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I sorted clothes and, and oiled the machines at, at, a, at a dry cleaners. It's like I had some really awesome jobs. He says, son, son, I want you to partner with me. Together, we can do some of these amazing things. But you see, it was my obedience, my submission, and my obedience to my father, that ended up creating and establishing that opportunity for me to co-labor, to partner with him, to do some amazing things. And see, it's just like us. When we're, when we're faithful and obedient in, in, in the small things, when we'll submit to our father, he will see that submission, and he will begin to, who is faithful with little, I will be give you more and more and more, and more. And that's exactly what happened to me. It's like, I see the example that my father set, so now it makes it easy for me to follow that same example in the spiritual realm because that's what my heavenly father is doing for me. Oh, thanks, Jerry. There's usually one right there. You took it, huh? Oh, thank you, thank you. Everybody thanks you, Jerry. <clears throat> there was, we, before I, wow. We used to do Celebrate Recovery here. It's like probably been 12 years ago, 13, 12, 13 years ago. We did Celebrate Recovery here, and I, I remember <clears throat> Ernie Garza, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, Ernie Garza was our worship leader that we had 
celebrate recovery worship leader. Not yet the worship leader for, for the church, but being developed. And he was very anointed. We had a group of people that came, probably a dozen people that came with their, their leader, their pastor, home group, whatever it was, uh, <clears throat> because they really liked the worship and they liked being a part of the, of the groups. They were, they were learning and, and receiving some freedom from some issues that they had. And, and uh, <clears throat> testimony night. That's where the large group, everyone's meeting together, and somebody gets up there and shares their testimony. They've gone, they have overcome, and, and, and they get up and share their testimony. And Ernie's wife got up and, and shared her testimony, and it was one of, of a, abuse, a husband that was involved in drugs, and, and uh, finally, 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 and abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, finally she got out. She got her freedom. She got out. The, the codependent thing, she was in Celebrate Recovery really for, for the codependence and, you know, having her heart healed from some of the wounds and some of the things from her past. And, and uh, Ernie had married her. And these guys, once she shared her testimony, the, this, the leader of this group, the pastor or whatever he was, said, I'd like to have a meeting with you. And I said, well, sure, yeah. Uh, so we, went, we, we met in my office, and he said... Uh, I have a problem. And I said, okay, what, what's the problem? What, I, explain. He said, you know, that testimony that was shared, he said, yeah, wasn't that amazing? He said, yeah, no. What, what do you mean no? She's found freedom. She's an overcomer, you know. She, she's, uh, and, and they're just an amazing pair, and they're raising a family. And he said, yeah, that's the problem. What's the problem? She was married before. He married someone who's been married before, and he said, that's a problem. I was like, oh. He says, so what are you going to do about that? You have a problem here in your church. I was like, what am I going to do? You're here and celebrate. What am I going to do? I said, what, what do you mean? He said, are you going to allow that, him to continue to do worship? He has married a divorced woman. It's like, oh. Wow, what am I going to do? I said, sir. I said, the problem is going to be much, much bigger here in just a few minutes. And he goes, I'm ready to just hit you in the head with something really heavy. Uh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I only thought it. Lord, forgive me. I said, when you hear that, you know... Uh, you realize that I run this program? Yes, yes, I do, and I'm really grateful for this program and what you do. I said, yes, well, my wife is divorced as well, and uh, yet so was I. He goes, I said, but I can give you a list of other Celebrate Recovery programs that I'm sure that, you know, there are going to be some perfect leaders there. I said, I said you know... If Paul could persecute and murder Christians, can go on and write two-thirds or so of the New Testament, you think that somebody can't be forgiven? It's like, so he took my list and left. And I think, <clears throat> how dangerous 
that religious spirit is when it comes into a church for somebody to judge like that. It's like, oh my word. Uh, but it was only after <laughs> finding my own freedom from that because I spent almost six or seven years sitting on I just call it warming the bench in this church because I felt that same condemnation that comes from the enemy. Jesus said, there's, no, there's now, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ called according to His purpose in their lives. I'm just here to say that, you know, I, I for... <clears throat> I had to end up... I, Renee and I had been married just a little over a year and started receiving prophecies in every single prophet that came around here or somebody that even had a little bit of a prophetic gift was telling me, you're a pastor, you're a pastor, you're a pastor. Dale and Diane would remember this over and over. I would get highlighted, spotlighted when we would go somewhere. You're a pastor, you're a pastor. It's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm a businessman and a failure. I'm divorced. I'm a businessman and a failure. I'm divorced. It's like, oh, oh. Condemnation comes only from the enemy. There's therefore now no condemnation. We are overcomers. We are forgiven. So the journey into sonship is receiving the forgiveness, knowing and understanding we've been forgiven, walking out that forgiveness in believing, having faith in the Word of God, and believing it. Only then, when we believe His Word, when we believe His promises, can we truly step up, stand up, and receive the love that He has for us. Or you could say, you messed up, you're done. You messed up, you're done. It's like, no. When my dad saw, saw me do some stupid things that I was not raised to do, he said, you need to come home, son. You need to come home. I need to love on you just a little bit more so you can understand just how much I love you. Just how much I love you. In fact, I think one of the questions that Jesus was asking the Pharisees is like, who is going to end up loving me more? Going to be able to put their hair around my feet, dry my feet off with their hair, one who has been forgiven much or one who has not done any sinning? We just need to be able to. We have a Father that wants so badly for us to just open up and decide, yes, I am worthy of my Father's love. Yes, I am worthy of my Father's love. God, I, I am so sorry that I've disappointed you. I'm so sorry to see the hurt in your face and in your eyes. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. You know, what's amazing when an earthly father, <laughs> he refers to who has evil or who has evil, is not overcome, completely overcome evil, wants to give good gifts and is able to just completely forgive you and say, son, I see so much more in you. I see so much more in you. That we have a heavenly father that has the ability, that has the ability to not only to forgive but to forget to wipe the slate completely clean. It's like, I forgive you and I have 
forgotten. It's not written there anymore. It's like, I can remember years ago with, with, with some guys, and I think I've probably shared this before, but coming in as they went through Celebrate Recovery, Celebrate Recovery and started to go through their list of people that they needed to forgive, people that they needed to forgive, and people that they needed to ask forgiveness of. And they could get down through that list, but they still didn't have the breakthrough that they needed. And so I, because they did not feel worthy of forgiveness themselves. They couldn't receive the love of God and that complete forgiveness to walk it out. It's like, I remember saying, who, okay. I remember counseling with somebody saying, so you think your opinion is more valuable, more powerful, and of more importance than his opinion? He's like, well, no. Why, why did you ask me the question like that? Because you're saying you're unforgivable, but he's not. He's saying he has complete forgiveness. That's why he sent his son to die for you so you could be forgiven and receive his love. Man. His opinion and his word is the most important, most powerful. And he said, I want to forgive you. I just want to pour my love on you. I planted these amazing things in you that I want to see drawn out. I want to see you walking in the fullness that I created you to be and to do. Well, I have a whole list of scriptures, but I think we'll go through about in eight minutes, probably about three or four of these. And uh, Do you all understand? We're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. I'm worthy. He wants to pour His love out on us. He wants us to experience all the goodness that He has for us. And we just have to repent, be baptized, and let Him love us. Okay, Romans, uh, let's do go, uh, Romans eight thirteen through 17. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 13 through 17. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are... These are... Sons of God. And if you happen to be female, these are... These are... For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. We're not bound. We're not stuck to fear. No more bondage to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out and to whom we cry out to Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I looked that up to see just what Abba Father means. 
It means an Aramaic word that expresses affection, confidence, and trust. It's like, oh, you're a dad that I can end up having complete confidence in. You're a dad. You're a daddy. You're papa. I have this amazing affection towards you because you have that affection towards me. I can place my confidence in you. I can place my trust in you. I can have childlike trust. Another uh, definition was childlike trust in daddy, fatherhood, the fatherhood of God, Abba, Father. This is Father's Day, and we just cry out, Abba, Father, we love you. We trust you, Daddy God. 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs, joint heirs, <laughs> heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Everything that God has for Jesus Christ, He has for us. Heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. I want to go to at least one, at least one more scripture, unless you've got a little extra time. Can I have a little extra time this morning? Got four yeses. We're not going to take a vote for no's then. We're just going to go with the yeses. Uh, yes, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Which one, which one, which one? Man, I've got six more scriptures, so I'm trying to scramble here. It's like, Lord, where, 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 how, do we, how do we wind this up? We'll go to 2 Corinthians, 5th chapter, 2 Corinthians 5th chapter, but I just want to talk to you a little bit first about these, <laughs> these other scriptures that, you see, in order for us to, there, there's a battlefield that goes on in our mind for us to be able to fully receive what he has for us, to fully get ourselves to that place of worthiness. That, that we are worthy, that we are worthy, that we, we can stand in confidence that what Matthew used earlier about we can enter boldly to the throne of grace. We can go boldly to the throne of grace. But um, in Ephesians 5.26, it says that as Christ loved the church and was willing to you know, give, his, give himself for her, that she would be washed, us, the church, us, the bride of Christ, that she would be washed. And I just think of washing, the washing of our mind. The battlefield is in our mind, washed by the water of the Word. That in order for us to be completely cleansed, to get to the point that we can understand and that we can receive, we need to clean out the, some of the stuff in our, in our mind. We need to take a shower in the Word. We need to be immersed in the Word, the water of the Word. You know, we need to understand the promises that he's got washed, our minds washed by the water of the Word. Romans 12, 2 talks about that, that we do not be conformed to the standards of this world, but we be transformed by the renewing of our washed mind. 
by the renewing of our word-washed mind. Because our mind's been renewed in the truth of God. Good? And uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about, you know, that we need to take captive every thought, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That we take captive the thoughts that come in. Now, we can't stop all of those thoughts, but we can end up taking captive. We can stop, lock up. It's like, yeah, I'm not going there. I remember the first prophetic word that I ever received was like, some of the Jerry, Dominic, some of those guys were, were that Richard were, were there. We were upstairs over there. And I said, guys, it's going to be really important that you don't party in the past. Don't party in the past. Don't let your mind go there to where you start to party in the past. So, you know, if, if we don't take those thoughts that still come and still sometimes bombard us captive, lock them up, set them aside, put them away, locked up and gone, then we can entertain those thoughts and we are not to go back re-examining our past unless it is through the blood of Jesus from the other side of the cross where we are just using it as an overcoming story, as overcomers. And then we get to Philippians 3.13, forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press on. God has set a high mark for me, and if I focus on that high mark, I press on to that calling, to that high mark, then I'm not going to be revisiting and thinking of the things of the past. See, because even though we take captive one of, those, one of those thoughts, something can trigger that just a little bit, and we can go back, just like going to jail and visiting somebody that's, that's been locked up. You can go visit that again. And if you visit that long enough, that thought can talk you into hanging around. Maybe could you just unlock this door, and we could just visit with the door unlocked for a little while. And the next thing we will do we will find ourselves slipping back into where we came from. So take captive those thoughts, set them aside, and don't go back and visit them anymore. Forgetting those things which are behind, the what if is not something we do. What if, what if, what if? What if that relationship, what if, what if, what if? No, don't go there. Forgetting those things which are behind, there's a high mark that I'm headed for. All good? Oh. Something that's really, really important is all things. I, I'm believing we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. A new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed and all things have become new. We don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. We don't drive looking in the mirror. We don't, drive, or we don't try to get somewhere walking backwards and seeing where we've been. Our focus is on where we want to go, where we're being called, on the high calling. Psalm 
So if we're going to be good fathers, we've got to be good sons. We've got to receive all he has for us, and we have to lead our children, our families in that same direction. It just, it just spews over. We just overflow to our family because we're good sons. We're good daughters. Okay, I want to close with Second uh, Corinthians, fifth chapter, fourteenth verse. For the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus if one died for all then all died. If one that Jesus that one died for all we all died. He's that sacrifice that died for each of us so all of us have died with Christ when we receive that gift that he's given us, that gift of salvation, mercy and grace. He paid the price. He hung on that cross. So we have all put flesh to death. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say, new creation. I am a new creation. Let's stand up. I'll say it again. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I'm just going to read here for a little bit. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to him, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, everybody say, therefore, therefore. we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. Through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God is using us, pleading through us, to bring others to Jesus Christ. On that note, Father, we just give you thanks this morning. You're such a good, good Father. We cry out, Abba, Father. We love you. We trust you. You are, you are our Papa God. You sent your Son that we could have salvation. That we could be set free. That we could be deemed worthy and righteous in your eyes. 
that we could be reconciled into a loving relationship with you. We give you thanks, we give you praise, and we receive this morning all that you have for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen.